0: it's great that we are approaching one of the amazing times of the year you know a lot of people have had difficulties we all have suffered in some way this year uh, to a degree and uh, I think it's just great that we can start looking forward to celebrating something of good news amen what a wonderful time of the year I could break into a song online (laughs) but I want you to stay here I want you to stay here (laughs) so that's good but I think it's, the great thing is that we can look forward to some sort of joy getting together with families and friends and uh, parties, a more party. Some of you are real party goers, I believe. And, uh, you know, it's just great that we can come together and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And this morning we're starting a new series actually called The King of Kings because that's exactly what He is. He is the King of Kings and there is no other. And I'm going to take you to a verse this morning. Uh, Funny enough, my wife took the same verse in the message she gave for the offering. I thought, ah, oh, she should read my notes. But she couldn't because she has, I don't have to see my notes. We got this thing in our house. We, when we're coming up to do a message, we don't share with each other because she accuses me of stealing her stuff. And I said, no, 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 I don't do that. I'm original. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we, we kind of don't do that. that that's, that's just, yeah, that's good. Okay, if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I hope you have in one form or another where it's electronic or whatever. We're going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, right through to, it's quite a long verse, actually, to 2.12. So stay with me here. <clears throat> okay. Matthew 2.1 says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. But when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Verse 4. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where the Christ should be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the governors of Judah. For out of you shall come a governor who shall rule my people Israel. And Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, inquired of them exactly what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring the word again. Uh, sorry, bring me word again, so that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And seeing the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in the dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Father, there is so much riches in your word, so much truth. And Father, as we learn from that, as we open our hearts to you today, God, I believe you're going to speak to us out of your word. That God, your challenges change us in some way to be more like you. Heavenly Father, this morning we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. For you alone are King of kings and Lord of lords. And we thank you this day in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Awesome. I'll let you have a break, Chloe. You've been doing a great job. Thank you for that. Let's just give her a hand. Clap. She's doing an awesome job. We've just been testing out. Chloe had an incredible healing of her knees a few weeks ago. So we've been testing out, leaving her there all during the service. And uh, just... Show the glory of God. Amen. Fantastic. Also, awesome. Okay, so we see in this passage um, the story of the wise men. Of course, everybody knows that kind of story. It's, you know, it's one we bring up every Christmas in one way or another. And, um, but I found some very interesting things. You know when you read the Bible, you come across stuff, you go, hang on, I don't remember that being in there. Have you ever been like that? You sort of read the passage many times and you, you look at it again and go, Hang on, I'm going to be playing my Bible here? Is this a different translation? But you just suddenly God highlights something to you and he brings things to life to you. And so you can never get bored of reading his word because there's something new every day. And uh, so here we see the account of uh, these wise men um, traveling. They believe that they actually traveled from, they came from the east, they came from probably Persia. A lot of theologians believe Persia. We don't know a lot about them. We don't know how many there was of them. I mean, t- traditionally, we say the three wise men. That's only because there was three gifts, but there would have been a lot more than that for sure. And um, they were following a star. It says in Matthew 2, 2, it says, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star. So they were looking for not a star. They were looking for his star. There was something different that was in the sky in that time that they recognized. How do they even know about this? Well, it's believed that through the prophecies of Balaam, uh, which spoke about that, they would have been aware of that and also some of the stuff that Daniel said. And they were aware that something was going to happen, the revealing of the Messiah, the long-awaited one. So his star was no ordinary star. Because it says, When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the child was. When have we ever seen a star move, you know? Uh, it just, it's just stationary, and we find this star is kind of leading them to where Jesus is. The light is showing the way. The light of the star is telling which way to go, and it rests and stops. Now, what a phenomenon that would have been to see. I mean, I, I've got a good view where I am up in the country. I see the stars, and I go, wow, this is amazing, you know, because the further you get out of the city, the more you can see the stars. And every so often you see the bright one. I don't know what that one is, but... But it's there every night. It doesn't sort of move. It's not like following me or leading me anywhere. It's, but it's just there and it's just amazing. So when you start getting the picture here of what they saw and what they're expecting, it puts the whole context together. See, so because we, we've heard, we are reading this in like 2,000 years on and putting in our own understanding. You know, as I said, there's a lot of misunderstandings from the word here. For instance, this account in Matthew is not Jesus as a baby. It's Jesus as an infant, it says. For it says here in Matthew 2.9, it says, um, the star went before him and said, until it came and stood over where the child was. It says, another verse in 2.8, a young child. So this was sometime later. It wasn't the event, but sometimes we mismatch it all together and you, know, you get the nativity scene and you see three wise men there. They weren't actually there on the day. And, uh, you know, we just put all this stuff together. It's okay. You keep that in your nativity scene. That's all right. You don't have to start ripping them out because they weren't there. Leave them. They're, they're, you know, it's a reminder of, of, of what they did. And, uh, you know, the number of wise men was, like I said, they, they used to travel in, in different sized groups. So It wasn't just three. You know, there was a lot more than that. And as you do a study, it kind of sort of wrecks a bit of your picture, doesn't it? It's like you have this Christmas picture, ah, the three wise men, yes. And all of a sudden, someone comes up, oh, I've just been reading a theologian on this, and uh, that's not true, and that's not either. Oh, okay, you start again. And look, another thing was it was not in the manger. It said it was in the house. That's how we know it was a young child because Jesus was born as a baby in a manger. And that itself was a little bit different also because uh, we think of the wooden and all this and uh, we find out that it probably wasn't a wooden crib, it was actually a stone carved out because that was quite the tradition back then. In that area there was no trees basically and uh, they found lots of stone carved where they cut out the rock and they placed a baby in that. Now we only get the thought of uh, woodwork and all that because um, we translate the English word into a carpenter rather than what it really is more closely related to as a tradesperson. And there was a lot of stonemasons back then. And so that changes your story again. So I'm just wrecking your picture this morning. <laughs> so we see here that... Um, and we also know that uh, Jesus was under two years old because further on in that passage, you'll find Herod was after Jesus and, uh, and he told him to kill every child under the age of two. So we knew that it was that. So there's lots of clues there that he was not a baby. He was actually a young child. But this morning, I want to... Um, I want to talk about, in this passage, we see three responses to the King of Kings, Jesus, in this passage when we pull it apart. So when we start with the passage here, we see Matthew 2, 3, it says, And when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So Herod the Great, you know how he got the name Herod the Great? He called himself that. (laughs) Especially like me. Pastor Ian the Great. <laughs> you know, you can see straight away something by a person's character by their name and what they put on themselves. Now, this, there was about six different Herods in the Bible, I believe, and, uh, but this is Herod, the, the self-proclaimed great. And um, that says a lot about himself. He obviously thought a lot of himself. He believed himself to be better than everyone else. He was the superior one, and uh, he was threatened. And that's why it says in this passage, He was troubled. When he heard there was another king, another king that they were searching for, the three wise men said, "Where is the king?" You know, and straight away he was like threatened. You know, in our lives we can be threatened sometimes. That's why we should always be humble. Like let's not let's not get into the position, you know, of like I've got to be up there in the top. Let's 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 just humble ourselves. We won't be threatened at all. And it says all Jerusalem with him. So um, he was troubled. History records this fact. Herod was already, already had um, one of his wives killed and two of his sons because they were a threat. And, uh, you know, this guy was obviously a bit of a crazed lunatic. Um, but uh, to kill his own wife and two sons uh, just because he was threatened. He had an obsession with power and being number one. But he wasn't the real king. He just thought that in his own head. Herod the Great, yeah. Um, so I want to say this morning that Herod put himself in that position, which was not rightly his position, because there is only one position for the King of Kings, and that is Jesus. And as we put him in in, in that place, our life will uh, will change. Our life will be different, because as we look to the King of Kings, he, the glory is reflected off of us. The glory shines off of us. You have a different deal than following a false tyrant king but not only that we see herod was um, threatened but we also find that the people in jerusalem are troubled and you think why would they be so troubled you know the announcement of 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 the king of kings is coming and they are troubled that's because they were troubled of this lunatic herod you know what would he think imagine if another king came to power what would he do to us if we acknowledged jesus as king So the people were very troubled as well. So there was a lot of trouble going on in the land then. But we are called not to fear man, but to fear God. They had a fear of Herod. They had a fear of how he'd react. And they were scared to even respond. And we find in Matthew 10, 28, it says, uh, You should not fear the one killing the body, but not... Sorry. And you should not fear the ones killing the body, but not being able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, being able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. This passage tells us that we have a response to make. We, we fear man, we fear the rulers, or we fear God. These obviously feared this man, Herod, and they just, there's no more spoken about them because it wasn't worth mentioning in the scripture. They'd already made their choice, they're going to follow the king. They couldn't. Uh, Except uh, do anything different because of the consequences. Somewhat like the consequences we are finding with all this uh, pandemic stuff. Um, you know, some of it's just not good. Um, then we find a second group. So, our first group respond to Jesus in the way they wanted him dead. Herod wanted Jesus dead. I mean, he tried to uh, lure them into his trap by saying, Go find them for me. You know, I want to worship them too. No, he didn't. He didn't want to worship Jesus at all. He wanted him dead because he was a threat. So we see the first response is Herod and all Jerusalem were troubled. The second group we find is the religious people. Don't you just love the religious people? Not. (laughs) It says in Matthew 2, 4, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of, of them where Christ should be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least amongst the governors of Judah, for out of you shall come a governor who shall rule by, people Israel, my people Israel. So here you see chief priests and scribes. They knew because these wise men came on understanding that the Messiah was going to be revealed when the star came. But they didn't know much more about that because they went to Jerusalem thinking, well, it's the capital, we're bound to find a saviour there, you know, they hang out in the capital. But it says he called the chief priests, Herod did to find out, gather them together and say, okay, where is this Christ going to be? Because I have no idea. And obviously the wise men were just following the star, but they weren't quite sure where it was. But the scribes and the uh, chief priests, they knew because the scripture actually said, in Bethlehem, in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 actually acknowledges what they're actually saying. That they knew Micah 5.2. They pulled out their Bibles and go, well, this is what the Bible says here, that he's going to appear in Bethlehem. And this was written some 700 years before, which is quite interesting, isn't it? That just shows you how trustworthy the Bible is. Prophecies come true. So 700 before Christ is born, Micah 5.2 tells, tells the people that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And this is what the chief pro, uh, priests would have picked up and they knew, and they could say with confidence to Herod, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. But the funny thing is, we don't see any response from them. Like, if you, if you are a believer and you were told that Jesus is going to be, let's just say, up the road, Elizabeth. <laughs> and you'd go, what? He's really here? You'd be wanting to race off there because you're a believer. This is the one you've been waiting for. This is the one you 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 waited for all your life for, you'd just be so passionate, I'm going to get on the next Uber or bus or whatever to get out there to meet him. And uh, yet we see in the scripture here no response whatsoever from these chief priests. You know, and th- this is what we've got to understand, they're a religious people, but have, as it says in 2 Timothy 3, 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of it. And this is certainly the case here. They didn't race off, That's the end of these guys in the scripture. They don't really say what they did from there, but they didn't do anything. And um, they just basically disappeared off the scene. They they weren't weren't responsive, so they got the religious people who didn't acknowledge him. They just go, okay, we know he's coming. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. That's it. Because they were also, I guess, worried about what the king would say we went off after him he may come after us if we go to worship the king or even go seek him out herod might come after us see once again they were more worried about the governing authorities than the word of god they're more worried about what the king would say than uh, chasing after the king of kings they knew king herod had already murdered others so he might try it on them you know that's what they probably were thinking But that's where we need to make a stand in times like that. You've got to make a decision who you're following. Are you following the fake king who calls himself the great or the true king who is the great? You've got to make that decision. They were worried about fallen Herod, the people, and uh, the true king, the Messiah, obviously because there was no actions recorded after that. Uh, You know, you would have thought they would have been eager, but there was no eagerness whatsoever. Herod didn't uh, even send the religious people either because he probably might have thought that might be a threat in itself. He seemed to be a very threatened person, threatened about just about everything. He thought, okay, these are the scribes that know the word of God, as in the Old Testament back then it would have been, and if I send them, this just may confirm in them what they've read, and, and then they'll follow him too. I don't want that happening. So it says he sent the wise men. Isn't it funny? He sent the wise men, not the religious men, because wise men will seek him. Amen. Matthew 2 eight says, uh, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. So he was bent on trying to get hold of Jesus uh, and to wipe him out. But then we come to the third group. So the first group was out to kill him. That's Herod and the people that was uh, troubled. Second group didn't even want to know him, acknowledge him, because they were too scared about the authorities and what they may think. And uh, what else was in that? I'm not sure. But thirdly, we find there is a response from the wise men. It says, um, and seeing the star, this is the wise men, and seeing the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Exceedingly, that's the word, isn't it? Are you feeling exceedingly full of joy this morning? <laughs> exceedingly. <laughs> uh, and um, it says, and coming into the house, they saw the child, Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him, and opened their treasures. They presented gifts to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, when I look to that, um, even here and Sharon mentioned that they fell down to the ground. You know, we in our head we always kind of make things nice, don't we? Think, oh, they saw Jesus and they just fell to the ground. You know, the word in the Greek would be more like this: they saw Jesus, went, oh, and fell to the ground, right? <laughs> getting too old to do that Uh, (laughs) that's the sort of response because these guys you can think they've been they've journeyed about a thousand miles they've been looking with anticipation following the star that's a good prop isn't a good star there (laughs) they're following the star with anticipation and and they start to realize this is all happening this is real this is the messiah the promised one that's to come and they walk into the house and they see him they are overwhelmed and they fell to the ground. They fell to the ground and they worshiped him. What a different response to the other two groups who totally missed who Jesus was. And they said they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Not just joy like, oh, it's great, Jesus. Yeah, we knew you were coming, yeah. It was like, wow, you know, they would have been over the moon. They would have just been incredible. And of course, that is also shown by the gifts they presented. Uh, as Sharon also said this morning, uh, gold, frankincense and myrrh. Gold represented royalty. They, They acknowledged they were in front of royalty. Frankincense represented divinity. He was divine and myrrh, humanity. They had a reference to every one of those gifts that were given. I want to say this morning, there is only room for one king in your life. And that is the king of kings. It doesn't matter what People say or do or whatever the government officials say, whatever, it's not in line with God's word. We don't obey it. We listen to the King of Kings only and that's what we're here to stand for and what we're to believe. Everybody has an opportunity. Everybody's following somebody. If you like it or not, you're actually following somebody. This morning, I want to challenge you. Is it the somebody you should be following or is it somebody you just follow because you're fearful? We should not be in fear of anyone, but we should be... uh, Worship in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, the truth is, whether you want to bow now or bow later, everybody in some time in the future will bow at the name of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2:10 says that at that name <coughs> sorry, at that name of Jesus every knee shall bow of the heavenly ones, the earthly ones, and the ones under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee. It says every knee on earth, heaven, and below. Everyone. That means nobody misses out. So this morning we have a decision to make. Are we going to follow him? Are we going to bow before him now? Or is he going to be later when it may be too late? Wise men still seek him today. And if you are wise and you've never sought him, you have an opportunity this morning I'm telling you, this whole message gives you an understanding that there is a response required from each one of us. We could not like Jesus because, Jesus, I don't want you in my world. You're going to mess my world up. I've got it all planned out. I, can't, I have no room for you. I have no room for you. There's, there's that kind of group where, like, Jesus, no, no, because you're me- I've got everything happening. I don't want you coming in messing my world up. There's a second group, just totally ignore them because it may come at a cost wherever you are in the workplace or in the school place, standing for Jesus is going to come at a cost. Every one of you will help pay a cost for believing. And Jesus said that of himself because he had to pay the ultimate cost. But are you going to be like the third group where you just bow down and worship? And go, I'm in awe, awe of you. That's the three areas or three groups that you'll, you'll find yourself in this morning. And I just hope you find the last one. And if you're not in the last one this morning... I want to give you an opportunity right now to be in that third group where we come and acknowledge Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords and worship him this morning. I just want everyone to close their eyes in this place. In these last few minutes, this is the decision you've got to make. Thank you, Jesus. If you're in this place this morning and you've never given your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you've never made your life right with Him, you've never repented of your sins, and you need to make things right again with Him, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, have that relationship with, that King of, with the Kings of Kings. <coughs> Sorry, King of Kings. Perhaps you've never given your life, you've never understood what it means to give your life. Well, it's one prayer away, a prayer of forgiveness prayer of asking Jesus into your life this morning. And perhaps you're even here, you may have done that as a child. Quite often I hear people saying, oh, when I was a kid, I think I did it. I'm not sure. But I've not lived my life for Jesus. Well, when we make Him Lord, we're actually living for Him. For He is our Lord and Savior. He saved us from our sins, which cost Him. But it will cost you to make Him Lord. because It requires you to live for Him. So this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, or perhaps you're not sure where you stand with Him and you want to make that decision, wherever you are in this place, just raise your hand. I will see that, and I want to pray with you. And uh, we're going to believe that this is a start. Amen. See the hand. Thank you, Jesus. Put them down again. Thank you, Lord. If, if you're feeling that tug in your heart right now, that's, that's, that's God just saying, come on, you've got to get this right. He won't force you. He won't force you to do anything. He wants you to do it out of love for Him because His love is so great for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. A small voice is speaking to you this morning. Don't resist it. I'm telling you, you don't bow your knee now, you'll bow it later. But later it won't be in the same circumstance. We're going to say a sinner's prayer all together, as I like to do, just to make sure we've got everybody covered. Just follow after me as I say this, this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I ask you for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn now from my sins, which is repenting. I turn now from my sins and invite you to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. I thank you now. Amen. If you've said that prayer for the first time or even a rededication, we'd love to meet up with you afterwards to help you on your way. Give you a Bible if you haven't got a Bible and uh, help you to find that walk with Jesus is so important. And uh, we believe that that's going to be a great journey for you because it is for all of us that have made that decision in the past. But I also want to pray this morning that this will be a great time of Christmas for all of us. Now, I know in this time, quite often, there's lots of family feuds going on. You ever get that? I get that in my family. It's like... um, well, let's let's just pray this morning, all of us together, and believe that God is going to bring families together, friends together this Christmas. There's been too much separation for too long in some people's families. There's been this unforgiveness. We need to break that unforgiveness that's been holding us back. So let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father, I just pray for all those that have struggled with family uh, unions. Father, whether it's through unforgiveness for whatever offense it may be. Father, I believe today that God, you can solve all those problems. As we open our hearts to you, as we open our, humble ourselves before you, God, we believe that you indeed will meet these people, that God will see this Christmas family and friends coming together, restoration taking place because you are the king of restoration. Father, we thank you this day and we give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name.